think that goes with that song they were just playing? But Pastor Melissa says, I'm under contract. You can't see it unless you come Saturday night. So I just want to encourage everyone to come, if for nothing else but for that reason. But she'll be selling tickets right outside. And I've said it before, but I went to the site where the orphanage is going to be. And, and we prayed over it, and we went through the streets, and we saw children living by themselves, four or five-year-olds wandering the streets. In the meantime, the Dominican Republic is the number one site in the world for sexual predators. They actually have travel agencies that have packages for perverted people to come to the Dominican Republic because the children are unprotected. So we really, again, want to encourage you to be part of it. So um, I'm going to tell you the same thing that Kim Kardashian tells all her husbands. I'm not going to keep you long. <laughs> and... Um, So if you can turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 6, verse 36. Luke chapter 6, verse 36. It says, Be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. I'm skipping down to 41. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but don't notice the log in your own eye? Well, how can you say to your brother, Brother, let me take out the speck that is in your eye, when you yourself don't see the log in your eye? Hypocrite, first take the log out of your eye, and then you will see clearly to take out the speck in your brother's eye. That was the words of Jesus. And the last few weeks, Pastor George has been speaking about grace. Uh, let me define grace for you. Grace means that God gives you what you don't deserve. He gives you his love. You did not earn it. You don't deserve one thing that God has given you. You don't deserve his protection, his provision. But it's been a free gift to you because he loves you. So I'm going to add another term right now, which is mercy. Mercy is a little different than grace. Mercy means that God does not give you what you do deserve. He doesn't treat you the way you deserve to be treated. See, because every one of us have sinned, fallen short, have lived our own life, done things our own way. Every one of us deserves punishment. Every one of us deserves hell when we die. Every one of us deserves everything that's coming to us because of the mess we made. But mercy means that God doesn't give it to us because he's a merciful, loving father. And that's not the way that he treats you. Because of his heart, it overflows with love and compassion for you. But I want to 
this scripture I just read now takes this to another level. We all love the messages the last few weeks. God loves me. He's gracious towards me. He forgives me. He doesn't hold my past against me. I, I preach that message anywhere I go. That's my favorite message. But we need to come now to the next level because what did Jesus say? He said, you can't receive God's love and forgiveness and grace and mercy. Then go to your brother and speak judgment over him. We can't receive it for ourselves and, and then not have mercy for others. In, in Luke chapter 18, verse 11, Jesus told a story about, about these two Jewish men that went into the temple. One of them was a tax collector, which was considered the lowest of the low back then. They used to cheat people, work for the enemy government. And the other one was a Pharisee or the religious leader. And the Pharisee, he stood in the temple, and you know what he said? Thank you, God, that you didn't make me like that guy over there. Thank me that, thank you that I'm not like all those other sinners, all those good-for-nothings. He said, I fast twice a week, teach this Pharisee told God. I give 10% of all the money that I such a righteous man. Thank you, God. Thank you that you didn't make me like this sinner. And you know what the sinner did? He stood before God. He beat himself in the chest and said, God, I'm sorry. I repent. And the Bible says, which one do you think went home being, having been made right with God? It, it was the tax collector who recognized his sin and humbled himself. But the Pharisee, the finger pointer, the fault finder, even though he gave 10% of his money to the, to the temple, even though on the outside he did all the right things, he, he was not justified before God. You see, because here's what Here's what the Pharisee-type people do. They love to point fingers and find fault. That is not the heart of God to go to the people of God and, and label them by their worst qualities. Say, I could do that with anyone. I could come to you, say, I want to prophesy over you and tell you every way that you're messed up. That is not prophecy. That is not the heart of God. My job as a child of God is not to find fault with you, not to criticize you, but to look into your eyes and see, as, as Pastor Ephraim said today, to see the greatness that God's placed in you, to see your destiny, the, the purpose, the beauty that's hidden even in the midst of your mess. See, that's the heart of God. And what did Jesus say? If I'm that finger pointer, if I'm the one that finds judgment and fault with everyone, and you know, you don't even have to say anything. All, all I got to do is mention someone's name to you, and you just roll your eyes. 
you know that grieves the heart of God? What is Jesus saying? If that's you and you need mercy, you're not going to find it. Whatever you put out, that's what you're going to receive back. Do you know that, that somebody who was just saved, who just became a Christian five minutes ago, is, stands on the same level ground before God as any pastor in, in this world? That in the kingdom of God... It's not a system where some are better, some are worse, that everyone stands equal before God. Why? Because it's all grace and mercy. We don't deserve any of it. It says in the book of Isaiah that even your best attempt on your best day, when you prayed for an hour and a half and you you read three scriptures on your best day, All of the good things you did is like filthy rags compared to what we'd have to do to please God by our own works. You have been made holy and righteous before God. And what is he saying? And that's how you got to treat your brother or sister. The same mercy and grace you receive, you need to begin to show that to those around you. What did Jesus mean when he said, before you try to take the speck of wood out of your brother's eye, take the big tree out of your own eye. What does that mean? Before I tell you what's wrong with you, I got to know 10 things that's wrong with me. Even if I say I'm doing it for your own good. See, as Christians, we need actually to do the opposite. We need to practice encouragement. What is the word? I looked up the word encouragement, and the definition is to put courage into someone, to tell the person, you can make it. You can overcome any obstacle, any mountain in your way. And the Greek word is paraklesis. Did I get that right, Richie? We have a Bible scholar here that I check with. Paraclesis means to come alongside someone. It means I don't look down on them. I don't shove them. I don't push them. Maybe a little kick in the butt once in a while, you know. You know, some pe- sometimes people need it. But my job is to encourage not to beat you up. Do you know that the Bible is not a weapon to hit you over the head with and tell you everything that's wrong with you? The Bible's a weapon against the enemy. So what I want to do is talk about uh, a, a leader from the early church. You can read about him in the book of Acts. And his name was Barnabas. And Barnabas means the son of encouragement. And Barnabas, he had the heart of the father. He saw people through the father's eyes. In Acts 9, 26, there was a man named Paul the Apostle who wrote most of the New Testament. 
We spoke about him a lot when we went through First and Second Corinthians. You know what Paul the Apostle did? He, he helped to kill Christians. He went to round them up to put them in jail. One day he had an encounter with God. The next thing you know, he's standing in the streets of Jerusalem preaching the gospel teaching about Jesus. And what do you think all those other apostles thought when they saw this guy who used to be chasing after them, who used to try to put him in jail, now he comes around, I'm one of you. They didn't want anything to do with him, but this man named Barnabas, he didn't look through the natural eyes. He didn't walk in his emotions, but he looked into the eyes of Paul, and he saw the great destiny that was in him. See, that's the eyes you got to look with at people with. We want God to look at us like that. We want God to see the greatness in us in spite of all our faults. Well, God expects you to be a Barnabas, a son, a daughter of encouragement, and take a man like Paul, who was the worst of... Paul said, I'm the worst of all sinners. And nobody trusted him. But Barnabas came, he took him by the hand. You see, it's always God's heart to restore, to redeem. The same Barnabas in Acts chapter 11, when there were many Gentiles being converted to Jesus at the church of Antioch. And do you know that a lot of the Jewish Christians didn't want anything to do with them because they were pagans. They didn't understand the word. They didn't trust them. So what did they do? They sent Barnabas. And he went there and he didn't see pagans. He didn't see idol worshipers. But he saw men and women of destiny who could change the world. And that church grew to be one of the most powerful churches in the whole Bible. And it was because of this man, Barnabas, who refused to quit on people. I'm going to go now to Acts chapter 13. Now Barnabas, he hooked up with Paul and they went on a mission trip. Do you know what a mission trip is? A mission trip means I go someplace else outside of where I live to go preach to people about Jesus. And he went with, he went, Paul and Barnabas, they went on the trip and they took a young man with, him, with them named John Mark. And do you know what John Mark did? On the trip, when things started to get tough, when the heat was on, John Mark turned around and ran away and abandoned them. Not only that, but he, it seems he had a history of doing that. In Mark chapter 14, verse 51, it says there was a young man following behind Jesus at the cross clothed only in a long linen shirt. When the mob tried to grab him, he slipped out of his shirt and ran away naked. And most Bible scholars believe that this was actually the same person, John Mark, 
In other words, he has a history of abandoning his post, of, of being unreliable, of running away in fear. But here's, here's the next thing in Acts chapter 15. Paul and Barnabas were about to go on another mission trip. And John Mark, he came to, he came to Barnabas and said, this time I'm ready to go. So Barnabas went to Paul and says, we're going on another trip, but I want to take John Mark. And you know what Paul said? He said, I'm not going with him. He failed me. He's a mess up. He's got a history of being a mess up. And you know what Paul did? He wrote him off. Well, I'm, if he's going, I'm not going. Well, you know what happened? Barnabas, he refused to give up on him. You, be, you know, sometimes you can't just write people off. And in church, a lot of times, they have a fancy phrase for it. My season with this person is over. Now, I'm not saying if you're in an abusive relationship that you don't need to cut it off. I'm talking about someone who's failed, someone who just messes up, and they keep coming back and saying, I, I, I want to be restored. I apologize. I, I want to commit to you, and this church is committed to you, that we will not write you off because you messed up. In fact, I've heard Pastor George say many times, you are free to fail. When you step out, when you go out in faith, and whatever you do, if it doesn't work, just be free. We're not going to write you off. We're not cutting you off because of your failure. Otherwise, there wouldn't be too many of us standing right now. How, how many of you could say, if it wasn't for God's grace, I'd stay... If I didn't have God's grace, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be standing anymore. I wouldn't be sitting in this church right now. I'm, I'm the first one. I thank God for men and women of God in my past. That I, when I messed up, they were there to bring restoration, to say, you could still do it. You can make it. I thank God for the Barnabases. Because you know what Paul said in the end? And um, when Paul wrote, the, wrote a letter towards the end of his life, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11, you know what Paul wrote? He wrote a letter and said, send John Mark to be, because he's beneficial in my ministry. This same John Mark who he had given up on, later on he said, Send him to me. He's beneficial. You know that some of the greatest people in history, some of the greatest men and women of God, they started out as failures. See, you've got to look at people with a heart, always redemption. Oh, there's always restoration in God. There's always a new beginning, not only for you, but you need to begin to see that in others. 
And this same John Mark, he wrote one of the Gospels. And Paul was ready just to totally disregard his ministry. So I'm going to go and read another scripture, Isaiah 58. It says, shout with the voice of a trumpet blast. Shout aloud, don't be timid. Tell my people Israel of their sins. Yet they act so pious. They come to the temple every day and seem delighted to learn all about me. They act like a righteous nation that would never abandon the laws of its God. They ask me to take action on their behalf, pretending they want to be near me. We have fasted before you, they say. Why aren't you impressed? We have been very hard on ourselves, and you don't even notice. In other words, here's what the people of God were doing. They were fasting. They were going to, it was a temple, to worship God. They were giving their tithes. They were doing all the rituals, all the right things. They were reading the word of God, but yet God did not bless them. So they went to God and said, God, we've been fasting and praying. We've been living right. Where's the money that that you promised me? Where's the new job? Where's the ministry that you said I would have? Well, here's what God responded to them. I will tell you why I respond. It's because you are fasting to please yourselves. Even while you fast, you keep oppressing your workers. What good is fasting when you keep on fighting and quarreling? This kind of fasting will never get you anywhere with me. Skip to verse 6. This is the kind of fasting I want. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from relatives who need your help. Then you call, when you call, the Lord will answer. Yes, I am here, he will quickly reply. Remove the heavy yoke of oppression. Stop pointing your finger and spreading vicious rumors. Feed the hungry and help those in trouble. Here's what it's saying. Over every other thing, there's one thing that marks a true man or woman of God. And it's not how many Bible scriptures you know, how many hours you pray. It's not whether you fast or not. Although all those things are vital to your Christian growth, I'm not saying it's not important, but the one thing that will mark you before God as a true Christian on this earth is that you have the heart of the Father. It's saying right here, you could come to this church every week. You can get baptized. You could sit in the altar and sing and pray. You can read the word. You can preach the gospel. You can have a big, giant, worldwide ministry.
ministry that touches the nations. And if you don't have love and compassion in your heart, you've done nothing. You've accomplished nothing. You know what Jesus said? He said, How can you say that you love God who you can't see when you can't even love your brother who you do see? If you don't love your neighbor, if there's someone here you can't stand the sight of them, you do not love God. We can't preach about grace and mercy, and then what does it say? The the two things that God hates. The accusing tongue and the pointing finger. You see, there's two kinds of gossips in the world. There's the one who speaks it and the one who listens to it. I'm tired of people calling me. I'm tired of people calling me and saying, well, I just got a phone call from someone because someone's been calling people to complain about me. I want to make a covenant with you right now. If anyone comes to me and and says any negative report about any one of you, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, I'll go with you to that person and we'll share it together. I want to ask you, who's going to join me right now in that commitment, and you're going to say before God right now that you're only going to use your tongue to bless. You refuse to hear negative reports and gossip. Just raise your hand before God if that's you right now. See, you can mess up. You can fail, make mistakes. And we'll always receive it, always tolerate it. But there's one thing that we cannot tolerate as the people of God is for the people to begin trashing each other in the house of God. We want this to be a safe place. And it's saying right here, you you can keep coming every week. Can keep putting the money in. You could come and worship. You could dance at the altar. And, and if you run down your brother, if you don't have mercy, if people are in need and you ignore them, don't say you love God. It says in 1 Corinthians 13 that you could take all the money you have in the bank, give it to the poor, and if you didn't do it for love, you gave that money for nothing. Put it back in your pocket. You can die for God. They could burn you as a Christian. And if you didn't do it out of love, you died for nothing. See, that's what the scripture is saying here. It says, if you neglect the needs of your own family, if they're a poor, if, you, if, if you're a business person and you oppress the people who are working under you, all that other religion is not going to save you. 
If you want mercy from God, you gotta, you got to show it to somebody else. We want to look at people through the eyes of mercy. There's a story in Ezekiel that most of you know about a valley of dry bones. Where Ezekiel saw a vision and God said, what do you see? And he said, I see a valley filled with dead, dry bones. And now God said, prophesy. And he prophesied, and the four winds came, and they took those bones, and the flesh started to come into the bones. And the wind began to blow light. And God said, now what do you see? He said, I see a mighty army. That's the Father's eyes. I look at a broken person. I look at someone who's just failed, made the biggest mistake of their life, and my job is not to tell you that you're dry bones, that you're dead. You already know that. It's to look into the eyes of the, the biggest failure, as Jesus did, this woman caught in adultery. Remember Pastor George Priest? He looked into the eyes of this harlot, and he saw destiny. He saw beauty. He saw prosperity, and he restored her. That's what we're all about as a people of God. Not only I want to be restored, God, give me more. God, increase me, multiply me. True ministry is that I want to be a blessing to you. I want to raise you up. I, I, want, I want to see every one of you here fulfill the destiny in your life. But I can't do it by going around pointing fingers. I love what Pastor George said last week. He said so many times people complain. Well, why you got this person praying for people at the altar? Why is that person singing on the worship team? None of your business. I'll tell you what, my heart, I'm always going to make an error on the side of mercy. And you know, sometimes I make a mistake. Sometimes I trust someone who just stabbed me in the back, and you know what they do? Now they stab me on the other side of the back. But you know what? I've, I've had enough people who I've seen transformed and step into their ministry and, and become everything God called them to be, that it's worth it to me. The risk is worth it. I'm willing to risk love. I'm willing to risk taking a chance on you. Will you take a chance on risking love with your brother, with your neighbor? How about with your wife or your husband? You know what I see with, with, Christian, with Christian marriages? They fight just like non-Christians, just they call themselves deer and honey while they're doing it. <laughs> Whoever came up with that... You don't know what you're talking about, honey. Oh, you're, you're so stupid, dear. And then when I go down south, 
they got another way to do it. They say, he's just such an idiot. Bless his heart. I want to read one more scripture and then Babylon is going to come. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves God has, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. See, Christianity is not what we've made it. It's not about doing this thing and that thing. I went to this conference. I showed up here. When it all boils down, when you stand before Jesus one day, the thing you're going to answer for, did you love? As a pastor, I'm going to be asked, did you love the people you ministered to? Or do you see them as stepping stones or means to make finances? See, it's all about love. Meeting needs, helping others. Christianity has become... All, all about me, how I can improve, how I can get bigger, more finances, increase my territory. I want to increase your territory. That's my heart. That's the heart of Pastor George, all the sacrifice he's made. He's done it all for you. Why? Not because he wants to have a big church and get his name out there and have a million likes on Facebook. I've known Pastor George for many years, and his heart is always for the people, always for you to prosper. And I want to challenge every one of you, because you are worth it. See, you are beautiful in God's eyes. So I'm going to ask Beverly to come. And don't drop my water on the floor. Has not been broken. Who here among us is without guilt or pain? So oft abandoned by our transgressions. If such a thing as grace exists, then grace was made for lives like this.
And I know we've done this many times before, but I just want to again apologize to you on behalf of the church, for everyone who's pointed a finger at you, everyone who has misjudged your heart, for everyone who has spoken gossip against you and carried it from person to person, and we did nothing. I want to say I'm sorry on behalf of every church. And according to the book of Daniel, I have the authority to stand in behalf of the church in general. I want to say I'm sorry for not recognizing the greatness in you, for not seeing the beauty and the destiny, and instead choosing to point out everything that, I, that was seen as wrong with you. I'm sorry. And I just bless you right now in Jesus' name. I bless you to grow. I bless you to do great and mighty exploits in Jesus' name. So this is how we want to close. We want to give you words of encouragement. We want, we want to be the Barnabas today. So I'm going to ask for those in the prophetic team to come. 
and also those other people who I asked to come and help. Also, my friend Valerie's here from New Jersey that I do prophetic ministry with. I asked her to come and help. Please come quickly. Those on the worship team can come. So let's everyone stand right now. Also, if you're on the healing ministry and you want to help us, you can come. And here's what we want to do. Here's what the prophetic ministry is. It's speaking encouragement over your life. It's telling you how you can make it. It's seeing ahead into the future and seeing victory and breakthrough. So just as we're going to just, just bird is going to worship on the, on the keyboard. And we just want to invite you to come right now. And just receive a word of breakthrough today. Receive a word of encouragement. to hear the voice of God for you today. I, I want you to hear the heart of God through the people of God. So we just want to invite you, just come. No, nobody's looking at you. You're, we're, we're among friends today.